out. It's something that's crazy, some so different. Yeah, I would absolutely never have gone in and <laughs> interacted with that thing. <laughs> Did you know it was something though, or? I, I think I've seen it, and I don't think it ever registered that it was anything other than some kind of train equipment. This is Find It. I'm Erin Essex. It's after work rush hour. I managed to convince a handful of co-workers to come down on the subway with me. They didn't really know what for. Between the train traffic, I began waving my arm in front of a sensor. Before long, all of us were jumping frantically trying to set off the chimes. I had heard if we did this long enough, we could hear other sounds. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry? Is it doing it? Do you hear the, like... Yeah. Did it change? Yeah, so normally oh, it's just a... You get the birds are there. No way! They like slowly fade in though, over the chimes. Am I describing it? Um, so you like kind of raise your hand over it, it lights up, and then it releases some kind of beep. But I'm trying to figure out if the ring is the same every single time you go in the same spot. Of course, now all the trains are coming. This little-known thing down on the subway had to have a story, and I wanted to find it. Not only does the installation at 34th Street and 6th Avenue play itself, what it plays depends on the people playing it. I want it to be a part of your everyday life. On your way to work, you have some kind of aesthetic experience. People don't tend to look right at each other. People are just minding their own business and they're waiting for the train. So right there, you've got a stage, you've got a possibility. And what I find most intriguing is when complete strangers are all of a sudden playing this thing together. They're looking at each other, they're smiling, they're laughing. That was artist Christopher Janney from a 1996 news clip. Yep, you heard that right, 96. This installation has been down there since 1995. The project is called Reach. After researching Janney, I figured there was no way I was gonna get an interview with him, but I sent off the email anyway. To my surprise, three hours later, I get this response that says, when's good tomorrow? All right, well, I'm all for it. Well, the current piece that is in the New York City subway on the 34th Street NNR platforms is composed of a, uh, eight photo sensors on the downtown side and eight photo sensors on the uptown side. Uh, they're each sort of housed in a 30 foot long uh, aluminum bar that's about one foot wide by one foot tall by 10 inches deep. So when you come upon it, it just looks like this green horizontal bar of metal. But you, as you look more closely, you see there's a series of notches in it uh, and there's a series of Lexan uh, vertical spikes. Um, if you step up and wave your hand in front of one of the notches, you'll light up the Lexan spike, and then you'll also hear sound coming out of 
one of the four speakers that are on in each one of these uh, long bars. My name is Christopher Janney. Uh, I was trained as an architect and a jazz musician. So, um, geez, I think we're pushing 40 years now that I've sort of, uh, that I uh, think of ways to combine those two disciplines. Sometimes I try to make architecture more like music. And uh, that's evident in what I call my urban musical instrument series. And then other times I try to make music more like architecture, try to make it more physical, more visual. That's evident in all kinds of musical instruments that I've built, a set of drums that makes words when you play them, a piece I did with Mikhail Baryshnikov where he danced to the sound of his own heartbeat in real time, so he actually heard his heartbeat inside his body. So that, that gets pretty physical. So when did this all begin for you? I'd say, you know, even when I was 12, 13, I uh, would draw a lot, but I'd draw a lot of mechanical things. I didn't so much, I'm so much interested in the human figure. I was interested in pots and pans and doorknobs and uh, cars, you know. Uh, and then I was all, I, I went to an elementary school between fourth and ninth grade where we had music and art every day. And uh, my music teacher was actually a world renowned singer whose producer was Sir George Martin, the producer of the Beatles. Uh, you know, we had some very uh, intense uh, art and music uh, throughout my grades of fourth through ninth grade, and I, I'm sure that that had a big influence on uh, my my passion and my dedication. So how did Reach get started? The piece was really uh, an outgrowth of a piece I did called Soundstare. Uh, that was my thesis at MIT in 1978. Um, I built a rotable version of that, toured the world, did the Spanish steps in Rome, um, worked with dancers and percussionists, trying to sort of make this um, city uh, interactive musical instrument. Just in case you're not sure what you're seeing, it is artist Chris Janney and his two children playing on the sound stairway he designed for the Museum of Science in Boston. And just in case you're asking, what's a sound stairway? It's a whole bunch of computerized sounds triggered when somebody passes by a series of electric eyes on the way up or down. Once I came back to MIT where I was a research fellow uh, for about 10 years, I thought, well, what's another variation instead of having the sensors down at the foot level on the stairs, how about we put them up over the person's head and they have to wait, reach up and wave. And, you know, the sort of the gesture of waving is a very uh, positive gesture. You know, you're waving high, you're waving by. Um, so uh, all those kinds of cultural um, signals led me to think, okay, let's, let's, Let's make a piece where people have to reach up and wave their hands uh, to do the, essentially the same thing that Soundstair was doing. You're triggering uh, a sound score and uh, lights. The sound score is a mix of environmental sounds, 
a melodic instrument. So I'm sort of always making, uh, you know, a nice uh, sound composition in a public space. Um, and I first did it actually in the Paris Metro as a temporary installation. They're very famous for having events in the subway. They've had the circus, they've had tennis matches. Um, so it was easy for me to, um, you know, there was a whole department of people where I could make the proposal. And um, it was it was widely accepted. I did it there for about a week. Uh, then I did it in the Boston subway. They were having a temporary arts for transit program. And I showed them I had already done it in other subways. So uh, they weren't too reluctant. Uh, and then the New York MTA, uh, Arts for Transit System, um, they had a temporary arts program. And um, they asked me if I would put it in a subway for a year. And um, after six years, <laughs> I said, well, I think it's, you know, it's been there longer than a year and everybody seems to love it. So about, you know, I think we should make it permanent. And so it's now, it's, you know, it's not only, I think it's 16th year and it's a permanent installation. That's amazing that the first version was made of wood. Yeah. Yeah. It was essentially the same setup only, you know, I didn't have to build it to be permanent. So it was basically a wood uh, rack that the photo cells sat on and, you know, it was only, only there for a week and somebody was with it all the time. And, uh, you know, and I like to be with my works in the public sphere. People ask questions and, you know, try to sort of generate a lively dialogue about interactive art in the public environment. Um, so, uh, you know, the difference between making a temporary piece and making it permanent was really, okay, we now have to sort of house it inside a metal case and, um, sort of uh, pay more attention to how the thing um, will not shake, shake parts will not shake loose due to the vibration of trains coming in and out of the tunnels. I wanted to understand the logic of how the sounds were triggered. Jenny explains. Here's the trick. There's, there's eight sound banks and they change over time. So let's say they change every 10 minutes. But within that sound bank, if you're by yourself, you're only, let's say you're only triggering one photo cell <clears throat> every half a second. So the computer, that, that tells the computer, okay, it's not very busy. There's not very many people here. It's only going to trigger the first of the series of sounds that are in the bank. So as more people come on and more photo cells are triggered within, let's say, a second or two seconds, it, it starts to add in more sounds. And the first sound is always melodic just to be pleasant and it's over a, a pentatonic scale. So there's no dissonant note, but as, as it gets more, as more people play it, then, then more of the environmental sounds start to come in. I honestly had no idea. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think many people do, <laughs> but that's it. But, it, but that, that also adds to the mystery of the piece, which I is very much, uh, you know, what it's about. It doesn't want to, ever sound the same way twice um, and it also wants to respond to the energy that's in the space whether it's sparse or dense things of this nature you know i also do a lot of big projects with sound and light and transparent colored glass i've worked in a lot of airports and um, 
you know, I have like a window might, might be made up of big forms of transparent color so that as people walk by, they're immersed in the colored shadows along with triggering sound. You're listening to sounds from a piece called Passing Light. Imagine you're walking down a walkway at the airport, a canopy of colored acrylic panels above you. They immerse you in pink, then yellow, then turquoise light. Then these three foot tall light posts make a sound and light up as you walk by them. piece that Janney did in the San Antonio airport. The sounds change throughout the day and even play themselves every hour. As a jazz musician, I'm not really interested in playing the same thing twice. And I'm always interested in conditions that allow me to experiment and explore and, and you know, find new ideas. So, so I do have works like, like uh, Soundstair and Leech that really don't have a strong visual component. Um, I, I like to say that the, the visual component is in the sound. I mean, actually, you know, I'm making sound images, um, whether you're in a rainforest or uh, some other kind of natural environment, you know, that's what your ears are telling you. And in the case of reach, your eyes are telling you you're underground in this harsh man-made environment, but your ears telling are telling you you're in some kind of natural uh, place. Well, that kind of juxtaposition is what I find intriguing. So if even for some reason I could put transparent colored glass or I had light coming into the subway, I'm, I don't think I would do it because I think the piece is about uh, letting your mind, your imagination create the picture of what you hear. Let imagination create the picture of what you hear. I want you to hold on to that phrase because when we come back from the break, Janny will explain his connection to synesthesia, which is a perceptual phenomenon where one sensory input can trigger another. Like you can taste sound or hear colors. And he talks about how this influences his work. All that after the break. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Find It. I had a lot of fun putting this one together, and I hope you're enjoying it so far. If so, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Also, you can always visit the finditpodcast.com website for photos and more. Okay, back to the show. Imagine a world in which you see numbers and letters as colored, even though they're printed in black. In which music or voices trigger a swirl of moving colored shapes. In which words and names fill your mouth with unusual flavors. Jail tastes like cold, hard bacon, while Derek tastes like earwax. Welcome to Synesthesia, the neurological phenomenon that couples two or more senses in 4% of the population. A synesthete might not only hear my voice, but also see it, taste it, or feel it as a physical touch.
Sharing the same root with anesthesia, meaning no sensation, synesthesia means joint sensation. Having one type, such as colored hearing, gives you a 50% chance of having a second, third, or fourth type. Not surprisingly, synesthesia is more common in artists who excel at making metaphors, like novelist Vladimir Nabokov, painter David Hockney, and composers Billy Joel and Lady Gaga. That was a clip from a talk from Richard E. Saitoic, a neurologist. He wrote the book The Man That Tasted Shapes. At the end of this talk, he hypothesizes that perhaps we're all synesthetes in some way, just some people have more severe cases than others. Jenny explains what synesthesia has meant for him and his work. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the whole notion of synesthesia. And, you know, I've talked with people who have, I guess, what you might call a severe case of it, you know, where they basically can, can taste color even when they don't want to. <laughs> but I would say that I have a mild form of it because I, I do see color when I hear things. So I sort of celebrate that. Um, it doesn't seem to have become a curse. It, it's still in the realm of a blessing. And I certainly think about it a lot. You know, when I have on, in my, on my property here where I live, I have a full recording studio and a full design studio and a, and, and a prototype shop. So when I'm making something physical, I'm also asking myself, what does it sound like? And when I'm in the recording studio making music, I'm, I'm asking myself, you know, what does it look like? I mean, these are all sort of tricks to help me get out of my uh, habits, artistic habits, of, you know, what you, what you think might look good or sound good, uh, and try to get out a more original perspective. You're hearing sounds from one of Jenny's sound stair projects at the Boston Children's Hospital. During my interview with Jenny, one of my favorite things to hear him talk about was his work in the children's hospitals. My work works very well with children. And, um, you know, as Picasso said, it takes a long time to become young again. And it's really... I love hanging out with, you know, four, five, six-year-old kids because they're just, everything to them is not categorized. I mean, they are very fluid in the way that they hear and see things. So I, as a result, I've had commissions in, in a number of children's hospitals, and there's a, there's a new one that's about to open in October in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's a, it's a huge state children's hospital, and I was commissioned to create the entrance to it. And, you know, I, I designed a 4,000 square foot transparent colored glass canopy glass. And, and then all the columns that hold the canopy up, well, they all have touch sensors and audio speakers on them. So it makes the whole notion of playing with the architecture for one. And it also, you know, children's hospitals and, and hospitals in general, you know, they're fairly high anxiety places. So this is a way to hopefully also get everyone to relax a bit, uh, either before they're going in or once they've come out. Thank you very much, and we look forward to many, many happy times on Sounds here at the Children's Hospital. In New York, I'm working with a 
a DJ. His his name is Party with Ray, and you know I I built and you see on my website a thing called Visual Music Project. I've built a number of visual synthesizers over the years, and that's very much playing on the whole synesthesia notion, um, where actually I am a musician in the band, only I'm playing visuals. Um, and, you know, I've been doing this for 30-odd years. But certainly electronic dance music lends itself very well. And uh, so I've teamed up with a DJ, and um, we may do an, uh, a couple of concerts in New York before the end of the year. So look for Party with Ray. Fantastic, yeah. And it's, it's an easy name to remember. I love it. <laughs> well, it's interesting because somebody, somebody says to him, well, your first name is Ray. What is your last name? And he says, Man. And they go, Ray Man? He said, yeah, but you can call me Man Ray. So he's very much of an historian and plays upon the Dadaists and the Surrealists. So he's also a person after my own heart. Back at Herald Square, we leave the subway station then duck into a nearby store so I can hear my coworkers' thoughts about the REACH project. It's better than outside. <laughs> oh, hi! Oh, wait, did you oh unlock it? Hello. We, we were Someone is really feeling her Velveeta. Uh, I just thought it was like super interesting how, it, you know, you see this green metal, <laughs> green metal, sh almost shaft-looking like thing that blends in with the other materials in the subway and it just turns out to be art. If you're curious enough to kind of like go in front of it and play with it, you, you'll figure out it's something that's crazy, some, so different. Yeah, I've been uh, coming to that station for many years, just hanging out with friends and working in the area. But what I find really interesting about it is just seeing new people approach it and play with it. You know, they might be tourists, they might be visiting for the first time, and they either accidentally stumble upon it or they see it and they're like, oh, what's this thing? And it's just sort of really fun to watch people's curiosity and yeah. watch the way they try to figure out how it works. You notice that other people, people who we don't know, came up and played around with us. So that was like a really cool group activity. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of people shooting like yeah. videos. Yeah, yeah shooting yeah. videos too and coming next to us and yeah. playing around with it too. So when we unlocked the bird sound, like, would you have ever known that that was there? No. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice that you can hear nature in the middle of the subway station. Yeah, I guess it's a little Easter egg that the creator put in there, like maybe just for himself or maybe for the occasional person who happens to find it. Um, even though it's exposed to millions of people, you can still be special in knowing a little secret about it. And, yeah, what you were saying earlier, too, about strangers interacting with us. Like, New York City is such a place where people are individual and don't like to talk to each other, so... And an art exhibit that sort of cultivates communication is really interesting. I'd been going to that station for a while, and I, it was years ago, but I think the first time I ever knew that it was a thing was that it, it went off accidentally, like either a really tall person passed it or something, <laughs> because I'm too short to actually make the sounds go. And I think I remember hearing it and then sort of realizing it was this thing that sounds you could trigger sounds from. Um, and then I had to jump, like, a lot to get it to, to sound. And, um, but I find now, because I'm at that station almost every day, that even when it goes off accidentally, nobody really turns around. So I, I don't know if people are becoming more accustomed to just strange shit happening on the subway all the time that they don't register it. 
like the sirens happening right now. Um, or there's more people. I, I, I don't know what it is. But, or, or maybe it's just some people are inclined to turn around and be curious and some people aren't. You know? We should have more things like this. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Yeah. I want to know how you unlock the bird song. You just, we, I don't all know. Just we, went, we all just went, we all took a sensor and just had So it's like full sensor overload. Yeah, I think right. so. Yeah. I but mean, it, maybe it's like you do one a bunch of times or you do all of them once or who knows. But you have so I hope that you're as inspired by Christopher Janney's work as I have been. Thanks to my amazing co-workers. Matthew Gottesman. Clara Shim. David Mack. My name is Rachel Hazes. <laughs> and special thank you to Christopher Janney for sharing your story of reach and all of your other projects. You can see a new piece of his at the Louisiana State Museum at the end of August. And you can catch him playing the color synthesizers with Ray here in New York City. He has so many other projects, including an electric Porsche 911 that he's been working on. Uh, so you can just go to his website, Jannysound, J-A-N-N-E-Y, sound.com for details. Do you want to chat about this episode or share stories of your own? Please check out the Find It Facebook group. Music for this podcast was licensed from audiojungle.com. Other materials were used in an editorial context with no intended copyright infringement. For an uncut version of the interview I had with Christopher Janney, you can go to finditpodcast.com. There you can also see a list of references and photos. Thanks for listening. <laughs>